Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, crew, check it. Dog events are happening. For exhibitors who are able and willing to attend these events, it feels as if our tribe has been reunited once again. Meanwhile, for folks who are continuing to feel safest staying at home and away from crowds, and for folks who are driving long haul between far-flung events, I gotcha. I've been working hard to bring you all podcast episodes that help you feel connected to our larger community and offer opportunities for education and entertainment, no matter how you have managed through this truly overwhelming year. One of my favorite events this year is the monthly virtual Pure Dog Talk After Dark for patrons of our podcast. Anybody can join this fabulous community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking on the Become a Patron link on the homepage. And while you're there zooming around on the site, you might think about checking out our shopping tab too. We've linked dog show vendors from all around the country so you can help support them during this really grueling loss of income suffered due to a lack of events. There's even a swag link that lets you order your Pure Dog Talk t-shirt, sweatshirt, fan case, mask, (laughs) ringside towel, and so much more. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. So check out the links at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have one of my favorite humans (laughs) on the entire planet joining us today. Mr. Bill McFadden is here to talk to us about dog shows during COVID. And I said October was going to be back to school month, so we're going back to school. We're going to talk about what's working, what's not working, how safe or not safe, or all those kind of things. So, Welcome, Bill. I am so glad to see your face on my Zoom. <laughs> Hello. I haven't seen you in ages, so it's awesome. I know. It's been a long time. I know. You and your crew are amongst the few people I know who've basically been to every dog show that's available or a dog show pretty much all the time since what they called the Learning Cluster there in Oklahoma that was put together as an attempt to yeah. see how we could have dog shows during COVID. So talk to us. Talk to us about how that felt and how you've seen 
things progress over these, that was in what, July? So August, September, October. That was the last weekend of June. Right. So you've got like three months now of of seeing how this goes in different places. So Mm -hmm. talk to us. Well, I will admit that I was nervous as I drove 24 hours to Oklahoma. I think I talked to you at that point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was nervous. I think everybody was. I know my assistant was, and I was pleasantly surprised. Personally, I just thought that there might be a few resistant people that Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to follow the rules that were set up. And I was super impressed. I thought everybody complied. It's definitely different showing the mask on Mm -hmm. with the judge. There's a certain amount of distance. You don't feel really a connection. Yeah. Just with the judges, but even with the other exhibitors, there are people that were there that I didn't recognize with a mask on. Mm -hmm. Or even if I did there's just a barrier right. when you're not seeing the whole face. There's just a barrier. Right. So the shows don't seem the same, but I was really impressed with, you know, just the, they tried a couple different things. Right. On that, like different methods of getting the armbands handed out. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a lot better than the others, but they had already put it in their premium list, what they were going to try on each day. Right. The method that I think works the best is when there's a table outside the ring and the armbands are just put by breed Mm -hmm. and you get your own armband. My initial concern with that was, how are we going to know how many dogs are ahead of us? You know, we rely on ring stewards so much to give us that information of, you know, there's only two picked up or whatever. But when you can literally look and see, oh, all four of the Welshes are still on the table, so there won't be four Welsh. So really, that works really well. And it's actually a lot less waiting involved as far as getting an armband. You just walk up and get an armband. Right. Now, over the months, there have been variations of that. Sometimes they kind of have a ring steward station there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they mark their book. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes you just take your armband. So every show has had a slightly different approach to that. I just went up to the five days in Enumclaw. Just show my own little puppy and bread by sort of thing. So did you have to pick up wet armbands? (laughs) Well, fortunately, I was able to get my armbands early in the morning on Wednesday before the downpour completely started. (laughs) But I thought they had a pretty good system. At least when I picked mine up, they had multiple tables all in a row under tarping, you know, because the weather was so terrible. And same thing like you describe, and you picked up your armbands for the whole time. So that Mm -hmm. to me brought visions of, okay, I'm a handler with 30 dogs and I've picked up, you know, a hundred armbands. That seemed terrifying to me. I can't remember exactly which show, but I've been to one where they did it, where you went and picked up your packet. Right. Like as a handler, you pick up your packet of all the dogs you had entered. You know, that's not impossible Mm -hmm. to do. It's a little bit more management. I usually can't find my armbands for the, the best day, of I days, so, I'm like, you know, give me four days worth of armbands. Lord only knows, you know. <laughs> but in my opinion, the best method is when they lay them out on the table like that, and you're able to pick them up. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice to have the steward there marking so that they definitely know. Because when you hear someone yelling for number eight, number eight, number eight, when you know number eight has not been there all weekend, <laughs> it's a little bit more time, right? So the armband thing to me that works out best. Mm-hmm. All of the shows have had. An entrance and an exit. In gate, out gate. Love that. Which I like. The only thing is there seems to be, you know, they try to get the ring steward by the entrance. And then for some reason, the judges by the exit. 
So the communication between the judge and the ring steward with masks on, depending on who the ring steward is, it's a little bit, again, a disconnect. And I think that maybe it could be finessed a little bit. But a lot of these shows, we have the learning cluster, but a lot of these shows, each show is a learning (laughs) cluster for the people that have not been to another show. I was in Idaho this weekend and the people that were ring stewarding had not been to a show during COVID. So, you know, everybody's coming up to speed and you know, there's a lot of information. If you read everything that's put out, you have no idea what, you know, do you have to brush your teeth and have your nails clipped and sanitized before you go in the ring? <laughs> I'm not making light of it. It's just, there's a lot of different. There's a lot. Yeah. And I think everybody wants to do the very best they can. Number one, for safety and for the health of our friends and family and people we hate. And the judges and the stewards and all the people. Right. There's a lot of health issues. And then also there's a lot of concerns about shows being shut down because they're not complying. Right. If the health department's going to come and inspect. And, you know, there was a family of people watching two of their family members show this weekend that none of them were wearing masks. And I'm not a tattletale, but I was like, you know, it was like eight people. So I went and got the AKC rep and one of them was defiant. I'm not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And so they asked her to leave and the other ones didn't have masks, but the club actually had the disposable masks available and brought them over. So it's just little things like that, that sometimes, you know, there've been a few instances of photographers catching a moment of somebody lowering their mask while they're showing, you know, moving that then that freeze frame gets pushed all over it as people aren't complying. And the majority of people, we've all been coming together to get through it as opposed to fighting every step. Right. And I like that. I like that too. In a lot of ways, it's made a number. I think that's really interesting. And I'd like you to riff on that a little bit, Bill, because that's kind of been my sense from afar. And unfortunately, so much of what we've been able to do is almost like a show and go. So there's not much time to build community, even on site. And in Enumclaw, where I might have been able to spend more time, the weather was definitely not conducive to that. (laughs) The weather kept you socially distant. So talk to me about that and kind of build on that, because it feels as if in a sport where we have talked for a long time about negative and this and that, this really feels like there has been some community built out of this. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I think everybody is super concerned, particularly in the beginning with the first few shows. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just so happy to see each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of us hadn't communicated, so we weren't really sure how our lives had gone and Mm -hmm. how are you surviving and so on. Initially, I think there was a lot of that. I mean, it was like going to a family reunion. You just were so happy to see people. Right. And so as it's progressed, you know, there's people that we've seen several times. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like you've been away from so long. But I really think most people are just, you know, we're all in it together. We're enduring it. We know we're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. And we're helping each other out as much as we can. If there is one downfall, it's really hard to control the social distancing after the show. That social distancing, I would say that we're a little bit lax on. Mm -hmm. The masks, I think most people are still keeping the masks, but you do see people gathering, having dinner, you know, somebody's barbecuing and that kind of thing. Right. And that's being super, super critical. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I've been surprised that they haven't used thermometers. Temperature checks. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it's not even that effective if you're asymptomatic. You know, I guess you're not going to have a temperature 
But it, at least initially that first weekend, I felt that was the one missing that they could have done. Mm-hmm. Had a stamp for each day, you know, a time stamp that said you were checked at eight o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. I judged sweepstakes for a little St. Bernard specialty here. I'm talking like 25 dogs, right? So much easier to manage. And that's been one of my observations is these small specialties. Like I did an Irish Wolfhound thing that was just a fun match. And I did the St. Bernard thing. These small specialties to me feel so good as a way to have a dog show during a pandemic that is basically safe or as safe as you can make any interaction with humans because there's fewer numbers of people, Mm -hmm. all of those things. And the St. Bernard one had a temperature check and you got a wristband with your actual body temperature written on it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of, I thought, very smart and would be more difficult to manage with 500 dog dog show. But for a smaller show. I didn't go to this show, but there was a show in Pennsylvania it was like maybe the second weekend of dog shows. And I know they did do temperature checks mm-hmm. and they had several. I think even, you know, so many of our ring stewards, particularly on the West Coast, I think we're really lucky. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking mostly of California because that's where I'm from. We have really good ring stewards, but they're also older, you know, so yes. just for their safety. Yes. So either they don't contribute to spreading or they don't receive it. Get from sick. Well, and I think that's been a concern all along. So many people in this sport across the board, whether it's judges or exhibitors or ring stewards or anybody, the average age is not 25, man. <laughs> it's no. a lot closer to 65 than it is to 25. Yeah. 65, you'll feel like you're a youngster. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. You know, I'm not 65 yet, but I assume. I will still feel like things. Yeah, by comparison. So I think that that is a thing. Like, I think that awareness is important. And talk to me about, so I went and I judged at the Vishla National. And for me, my biggest concern was not driving in my car. Like, I felt pretty safe. I could run into a gas station or out again or what have you. It was hotels and inside eating. Those are the two things that have been my like stopping points, right? So how do you feel about that? Well, the first trip when I drove to Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. once I left California, like every time I stopped for gas, Mm -hmm. I felt like a freak because nobody was wearing masks and I was. Mm -hmm. In subsequent trips, it's definitely changed. You know, Arizona had a big spike and they got way more serious. Mm -hmm. New Mexico, you can even check into a hotel without a New Mexico state driver's license. Interesting. Without agreeing to a 14-day, which I think is a genius marketing play. It's like, <laughs> you're welcome to stay with us, but you have to book for 14 nights. <laughs> but I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about because it's so spotty from state to state. It is, yeah. So I really feel that first trip, I mean, we've been really good. You know, we have hand sanitizer in the mm-hmm. door wells, you know, so anytime we stop, yep. we sanitize up. Same. We wear the masks. We have so many masks. You need a pure dog talk mask now, Bill. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) But I have noticed a little bit more seriousness nationwide. Mm -hmm. There's still pockets where, you know, you can definitely see the people that are... Wyoming was one of those. (laughs) Yeah, you see people that are super resistant, Mm -hmm. but I don't see them looking at me like I'm a freak anymore. I mean, that used to be like, they would really, what the hell are you doing? You must be from California. (laughs) But I think that's all been good. The temperature check, 
I eat in restaurants a lot. Yeah. The few I have, you know, I think you just have to set your own standards. If you walk into a place and you feel like it's too crowded, too many people, then I wouldn't do it. The hotels, I think for the most part, all the hotels I've been at have been really good. The bad thing is they don't clean your room. So once you check out, they don't come. So if you're a pig, you get to live for the weekend. See, now that's interesting because for Enumclaw, I just refused. Like hotels were like the thing. I had to stay for three days or whatever at the Vishla National and I was just freaking out the whole time. So for Enumclaw, I got like a VRBO. Like nobody else is there. Nobody else is touching the stuff. This is good. And it was really expensive, (laughs) but nobody else was touching the stuff. So it's interesting to know that the hotels are not doing room cleaning to limit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So if you need fresh towels, you go down and they have them like in little bags. So they're not pawing through the towels and giving them to you. I mean, somebody pawed through them at some point, but they have just like a little, you need fresh towels, here's everything. And they have their sanitation stations everywhere. You can sanitize your hands before you get on the elevator, Mm -hmm. before you use the soda vending machine. I mean, they're everywhere. All the things that you're going to touch that are like high touch surfaces. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I was nervous the first couple of times we stayed at a hotel, but I think that the hotels are doing a good job. Okay, good. You know, they have to be able to sustain their business. They have to be able to make people feel comfortable. And I really feel they have been. And have you flown? Now, I know a few people have flown here to pick up puppies and stuff. I've seen a few people on airplanes, but that is another place that makes my stomach churn a little bit. Yeah, I've flown twice. One time on the outbound I was able to get a row by myself with a row behind me empty, a row in front of me empty, and the row beside me empty. On the return, I didn't. I had to share a row. There was someone at the window and I was on the aisle. But everybody was wearing masks. You know, they have sanitation. You don't get a whole lot of attention. You know, they're not handing things to you a lot. Right. So right. I try to keep some kind of a wipe, or they actually do give them out to wipe down the surfaces, even though I know they say they do them just for my own, right. you know. I'd rather be too safe as opposed to not safe enough. On one flight, there was a person after we had landed that grew their testicles and decided to take their mask off and refused to put it back on. But that was just while we were waiting to get off. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think people are cautious. Even people that maybe aren't believers that it's really a pandemic and all that, Mm -hmm. I think most people are willing to tolerate that even if we are overdoing it, it's not going to hurt that much to have a mask on. Okay. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, 
This helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. Honestly, the dog shows we can do outdoors feel safer. And I think it's going to be a challenge. And I'm interested your thoughts on this as we go into the winter months when really having an outdoor dog show in Minnesota when it's five below isn't an option. For example, how do you feel about some of these indoor shows? The indoor shows, I really haven't felt less safe indoors than outdoors. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, again, it's just could be the people gathering, congregating that we'll have to watch out for. I truthfully have felt as safe at the indoor dog shows as I would going to a grocery store, going to a Home Depot. Mm. And again, you know, you're responsible for your own sanitation. I'm a horrible bathroom policeman now because if anyone tries to walk out of the men's room without washing their hands, I'm like, young man, (laughs) get back over there and wash your hands, which made me a legion of new fans. (laughs) As long as you have a new fan club, Bill, that's what counts. Yeah. I just think, you know, that as long as you are keeping yourself washed and sanitized mm-hmm. and wearing your masks, if you are in the group that is immunocompromised, like Taffy is. Taffy hasn't gone anywhere, right? Taffy has not gone, no. And I mean, I think you have to set your own, mm-hmm. what you can tolerate. Yeah. I mean, I have my own immunocompromised type stuff and I'm ridiculously embarrassingly careful. Yeah. And so even going to that one outdoor dog show, I'm like, (laughs) but that's me. So I think you're making the really valid point. And I think it's one that's been made consistently. Do what you need to do for your best health. Right. If you don't feel safe, then don't go. And we'll miss you, but we'll see you when we get through it. Right. We'll have a Zoom call. Yeah, exactly. I do tests almost after every weekend. Oh. There have been a couple where it's only literally like I'm home a day that I haven't, but I do get tested. That's a really good point. I wish I had thought of that. So how accessible have the tests been for you? How has that been for you? Not really. I mean, I wish that rapid testing was available. I mean, I think it is available if you want to lie and say that you don't feel good or, you know, you have to be exhibiting symptoms or that you've been in contact with somebody that tested positive. Mm -hmm. So in order to get it, you have to feel bad. (laughs) So I haven't done that. Right. I've done one that was run by the state that it took maybe five days to get the results, maybe six days. And since then, we've gotten test kits that come in. You know, they're expensive. I wish that there was a way to do it that was more cost effective and that you could get the results faster because the faster, you know, the results, the less chance you're going to be. Right. But we have done it and we found a method that is relatively quick. You know, Mm -hmm. you ship it. So it takes a day to get there. And then 
usually you'll get your results less than 48 hours from the time you ship it, you get it. Okay. So that I really like, and I think that's something maybe that hasn't really been talked about, but for people who are going consistently, like I went to one Mm -hmm. dog show and I came home and I'm not going anywhere for a while, but for people who are trying to go more consistently, something like that is a really smart thought. Judges. Yeah. I don't think anything is 100%. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's just another layer of caution and protection. And I certainly wouldn't want to be spreading it. You know, if I had it, I would like to know that I would not be putting anyone else at danger. Right. But, you know, the interestingly, the mix of judges, you know, we had Arlie Husson judged the weekend before last in Reno, Mm -hmm. and he celebrated his 89th birthday. Right. A lot of judges that are over 60, 65, whatever the guidelines are. Mm Mm-hmm that high-risk category, have chosen not to judge, Mm -hmm. which, again, it's something that you have to decide for yourself. Yeah, here's another question for you, and I've seen this a little bit. I've been involved in it some. Judging panel changes. Mm -hmm. So are you seeing more, say, provisional judges that are filling in for people who can't take that risk or don't want to take that risk? How do you feel the judging, just judging in general, improve unimproved stayed the same gently there is like a core of maybe 20 judges i think last weekend was my ninth weekend okay pretty much all four or five day shows right i'd say there's a core of about 20 judges that are no matter where i i don't even look i just enter because (laughs) they're going to be there right and that's not necessarily good or bad it's just if it's someone that doesn't like a particular dog and you just keep running in (laughs) all the time or if it's someone that does like it and you keep running it, it's you know, uncomfortable. You feel like you're following judges. You're not. You know, There's been a limited amount of places you could go. Well, and a limit to the number of places you can go and also a finite number of judges who are willing to go. Right. So there was like a pool of people who are willing to go and that show chairman know, okay, we've lost so-and-so, so-and-so. We need to get someone that can do these four groups. It's like their go-to people. There have also been a lot of judges that I have never heard of in my life or seen. And they're multiple group judges. And they seem to have somehow made themselves available or known that they are willing to go. And there's been some surprises. There have been a couple raw gems that, and I always let the AKC rep know if Mm -hmm. there's somebody that I think has potential. Mm -hmm. And there have been a couple people, or maybe more than a couple, that I know why I've never heard of them and never seen them. You know, I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, once you experience them. So it's made it difficult. It's not the same campaigning a dog is not not the the same same. (laughs) in any other year because there's no strategy. You can't look at an events calendar and figure, okay, so-and-so is judging here and they're judging there. Which place do I want to go? Because nothing is the same. And even if it was written down, it would be changed. Right. And I think this last weekend, so you were in Idaho, there was a show in Nebraska, there was a show in... Wasn't there something in Texas, I think? Yeah, there were a couple other... There was one in Ohio. Yeah. There were several, four or five this weekend. But this weekend that just happened feels like the first time there's been more really than one place to go at once, right? which used to be our norm. Right. You know, like pick a spot, you know, there's a dog show everywhere. So I want to segue into that real quick and talk briefly about the 
I hate to say things like this, but there is a silver lining to every cloud. Mm-hmm. And we have all been talking for a very long time about the need for fewer dog shows. We didn't want a pandemic to be the reason we had fewer dog shows, but that was the result. And I've sort of thought about this as I'm watching some of these events and some of these dog shows that are creating the type of competition that we used to see 25 years ago when there were fewer dog shows. What's your thinking on that? Well, particularly the first couple months where there literally was maybe just one option, Mm -hmm. two at most, definitely there were bigger entries, more condensed quality. I mean, the groups were stronger, best in show lineups. You couldn't really make a mistake. But what I've enjoyed is there have been a lot of majors and breeds that are difficult to find majors in. So that... I like shows when there are majors. Mm -hmm. I just think it feels more like a dog show. Right. And I do think that there's an argument to be made for, I mean, I've always been opposed to seeing less dog shows because to me that sounds like less money. Right. But I do think that maybe we need to explore a system of like A, dog shows, B, dog shows, C, dog shows, that those could be grounds for judges to learn their craft, learn how to run a ring, learn how to feel comfortable making decisions Mm -hmm. before they moved up to the next level. And then have those A shows be the shows that if you want to finish your dog, you're going to have to have a dog good enough to go up against competition. So I do think there's a possibility that something like that could come from this. And I do like the big shows. Canfield just felt amazing right? to have that many dogs and that tough of competition and majors and everything. It felt amazing. So that I would be all for mm-hmm. something happening along those lines. Because the more shows we get, like even last weekend, mm-hmm. I think there was a limit at the show in Idaho that I was at. Mm-hmm. But still, it was a much smaller show than what I had been going to. Mm-hmm. It's not even a matter of the numbers. It's just better competition, where you don't have people trying to escape the competition. You have people that are actually have to go and compete. Right. Okay, so here's my one and only hardball for you. Uh <laughs> I heard and saw commentary that with the limited number of entries at dog shows that at some level, the professional handlers were getting special dispensation. Getting their entries in, you mean? Right. Well, I think there was a lot of us use entry services. So I think that there were instances where people felt that handlers were getting a jump on it because of that, but anyone can use the entry service. Right. And I don't like it. I do feel one weekend that they went through and cherry picked and thought, okay, Bill's entered 12 dogs. I'll take eight of them and he's going to have four that don't make it. Because everybody, it wasn't like somebody missed all their entries. It was like everybody got like two thirds of what they entered interesting that's my little conspiracy theory totally (laughs) at least there's conspiracy theories in dog shows still all is right in the world yeah i mean it totally could not be valid but that's Mm -hmm. the way it felt i can understand the frustration of the owner handler but if they only have one or two dogs to enter get on it i mean i never know if i'm gonna make my entries in there doesn't seem to be any perfect way to do it. So right. if the shows are limited, like the 1,200 dog shows or whatever, I mean, good luck. You're going to have to be Johnny on the spot to be able to get your entries in. Right. If you're worried about making the limits, then go to the shows that don't have a limit. Right. Which people may or may not have that option because there are limited options. I mean, the West Coast, 
we don't have the options. We haven't so far. I mean, there's been a couple now on the West Coast, but it's mostly been an East Coast. Right. When I say East Coast, I mean East Mississippi. Yeah. You know, for the past three months. Well, I mean, we've had, what is it, two dog shows on the West Coast since March. One in Enum Claw and one in Reno. We had Reno and then, I mean, I guess you could call Filer, Idaho, West yeah, Coast. No, that's not West Coast. <laughs> it's not deep front, but. <laughs> I think of that as Intermountain. At any rate. Okay. Well, I just wanted to give for people who haven't had an opportunity for whatever reason, whether there's nothing close to them or they physically are not able or willing or whatever it is. I just kind of wanted to give people a taste of it from somebody who's really kind of seen and done the gamut because you've been all the way to the East Coast and back. Right. And so I really just wanted to share that with people from someone who's there with no axe to grind. So that was my whole point. My overview would be that I am proud of our community. I think that they've stepped up and either endured or participated in whatever protocol was established for each show. And I hope it continues that way. I hope that we continue to be safe and I hope we get through this and maybe learn a few things about ourselves and our sport in the process. And if so, then who knows, it may have been all worth it. I don't know about all worth it, but... Yeah, I don't know about that either, but <laughs> trying to find it. I know, that silver lining, right? Yeah. We're trying to make, if not lemonade out of lemons, at least try to apply lessons from what were provided by the universe. You don't get to pick, but you can pick how you respond to it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. And everybody just be safe and set your own limits for what you will or will not tolerate and stick to them. You know, I actually have been impressed by people that step outside their comfort zone and say, you know, you're standing too closer. You know, some of the shows, the stewards actually will come up and say, could you guys spread out? Because we all kind of congregate during the groups. You know, you kind of hang out while everybody else is being gone over. Right. Old habits die hard. It's a habit. It's not that we're being defiant. It's just you need someone to remind you. So I've been really impressed by those actions by individuals and by clubs where some of them do it in the most unbelievably gentle and kind way where you're just like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, every once in a while there'll be someone that's a little snarky. But for the most part, I think people have been doing a really good job. All right. Well, you take it easy, be safe, and I will get to see you somewhere along the way. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.